Welcome back to the Georgia 2024 show. The new year has started out with a bang. We're going to have some big news for the Georgia 2024 show and all of CDM's video presentations coming soon in the next week or so. So stay tuned. We're going to get a lot bigger very quickly. Welcome my co-host Bill Quinn. Good afternoon, Todd. It's good to be with you. It is good. Uh, wow. This week, you know, every time I think we, uh, we've had a huge week, it just keeps getting more impactful <laughs> and more crazy. We're going to have a packed show today. We're going to have a radio station owner, Wesley Cox. Father Brent Beecham is going to talk to us about some spiritual issues. Chris Gleason is going to drop some Moabs on election integrity, so stay tuned for that. Mallory Staples is going to go into a lot of the legislative updates and other Georgia political news. And then we have a, a special uh, short uh, little video from our cattleman, Glade Miller-Smith. Uh, please sew up, sign up for our new ad subscriptions. We've had a lot of those, a lot of success with that recently. People love it. They get access to global news with no ads. If you go to georgiarecord.com on the right side of the screen, there's a, a, a blurb that says for no ads, come here. So check it out. Uh, it's 10 bucks a month. You get access to all of our content, which it goes from Eastern Europe all the way to Asia with no ads and people love it. So uh, that's really important for us because it helps us grow the network and count on some steady revenue. So thank you for that. We're brought to you by the georgiarecord.com and uh, sign up for our newsletter, sign up for our Rumble channel, CDM1. We're putting out so much content now. This is my third show today. I was telling Bill before the show and uh, CDM is growing and rocking and rolling and we're just bringing truth wherever we can. So um, Bill, let, let's. I'm gonna turn it over to you. You've got a few things you wanna do first. Yep, sure enough. So a couple of things. We're going to hear about some new organizations standing up across the state, um, one of which is Restoring American uh, Liberty Forum. And we'll have more on that. Just watch the Georgia record uh, this coming week, and you'll see some things there. And we have a near-term call to action I wanted to make sure everybody knew about. We published this in the Georgia record in the last couple of days. But there is a, a very uh, near-term need today, tomorrow, Tuesday, for helpers uh, to be able to make calls uh, on behalf of the Trump campaign up to New Hampshire. You don't have to go anywhere to do this. All you do is make a note of the uh, email addresses at the bottom or go to the Georgia Record. You'll see an article that talks about this. You can make calls from your home. If you want to get friends together at uh, a home in your neighborhood, you can do that. Or you can actually uh, join the, the teams uh, where they are located in a couple of headquarters around Atlanta. So all three of those are available. And uh, again, this is a very term, near-term need. New Hampshire primary is going to be on Tuesday. And uh, they wish and ask for our help to get the message out to folks in New Hampshire. So let's let's do that. Okay, back to oh, you, Todd. Okay. Uh, Thank you. So uh, advertising, um, we're going to run a, a clip from our favorite uh, asset manager, David Cross, here in a second. But I wanted to talk to the audience about advertising. We are in need of Georgia patriotic businesses or non-patriotic for that matter. If you, We are the future in, in media in Georgia and Georgia Record is going to get much bigger and grow in many ways, not expected video, print, etc., so if you want to be early in that movement, because a lot of the legacy media is literally dying on the vine. There was a chart last week that came out with massive, you know, 10, 20, 30 percent drops in the audience with legacy media because people simply don't trust them anymore. So we are growing. We are truth telling. We have lots of credibility in that area. If you want to be associated with us, contact us on the email address on georgiarecord.com. Uh, contact us on Twitter. Contact us however you want to do it. 
and uh, tell us you want to advertise because that would be really helpful and get in early uh, with with our movement to tell truth to Georgia and to save the republic and to save the state. But uh, one of our big supporters is David Cross. You know him from his uh, Republican Party uh, you know, job as far as second vice chair. But he's also a fantastic asset manager and adv- financial advisor. So if we could run that clip, please. This is a special report. Knowing how to invest your money is harder than ever before. Dealing with stock market volatility, record debt, and terrorist attacks requires new thinking. At U.S. Asset Management, we can help you see the world more clearly so that you can move beyond the chaos and invest with confidence. Call us, visit us online, or drop by our office. U.S. Asset Management, helping you make better decisions with your money. So let's get right into our guest. Bill, I'll turn it over to you. Okay, so let me uh, let me explain this this uh, next uh, clip. This is a pre-recorded video with Wesley Cox, uh, who is the owner and manager of uh, WCGA uh, down in uh, southern or southeastern Georgia. And the reason we did this is we uh, we became aware of an editorial that Wesley had done on Tuesday of uh, this week. And then um, some some concerning feedback that we got regarding uh, some reactions to that editorial. We made calls, we did our homework, and then we uh, we elected to have uh, Wesley join us for an interview to try to clear the decks and get facts in front of people. So that's the reason for this. And so we'll play this. You'll hear our questions and an explanation uh, from Wesley first. And then we're actually going to play the editorial that started uh, started the um, dialogue uh, that came out on Tuesday. So here we go. We're lucky enough uh, this morning to be joined by Wesley Cox, the owner of WCGA News, a radio station in Southeast Georgia. Wesley, thank you for joining us, sir. You're certainly welcome, Bill. It's an honor. So the, <laughs> the last couple of weeks have seen some interesting, um, uh, interesting things in Georgia. Uh, so we wanted to bring you on and get some clarity. But before we do that, um, I, I find uh, your station rather fascinating down there. Could you tell us a little bit about WCGA and, uh, and your role in, uh, you know, in your listeners' lives down in Southeast Georgia? Well, we have a very uh, uh, nice, I think, radio station that seeks to serve the local audience with good information. We told our listeners who really appreciate our station the truth about COVID. We didn't take the big pharma money. We didn't take the uh, uh, DHS money. We basically told them the truth from the beginning, not only about the COVID situation and the jab, but about election fraud. And um, so we seek to give our listeners good information that they can use for their lives so that they can have what they need to lead. That that's uh, that's an honorable pursuit. Um, how long has the station been been uh, uh, broadcasting down there? Uh, we've owned the station since August the eighth of nineteen eighty eight. It hasn't always been a news talk station, but we have good programs now, like Charlie Kirk and Dennis Prager, and Sebastian Gorka. We have Hugh Hewitt and Alex Jones, Michael Gallagher, other talkers that are conservative and focused on telling the truth. Wow, that's uh, that's quite a lineup. So um, in the past week, just actually this week, um, there's been some, I'll call it drama, uh, surrounding some uh, information that became available. Um, 
we will um, we will as part of this broadcast play uh, an initial editorial that you had broadcast on um, Tuesday, I believe, or Monday, and uh, you described a call or a contact that you got that raised some concerns. So knowing that we're going to go ahead um, as part of this broadcast and play that editorial in its entirety, could you just quickly describe how it came about and so forth? This was your initial editorial where you um, uh, talked about the, uh, you know, the uh, situation within the GOP. Yes, exactly. So that was Tuesday of this week. And the situation was I was tipped off by a listener. And we have a lot of listeners who are actively engaged with the station. I hear from them often and I welcome it. So they, uh, a listener, uh, local listener, tipped me off that there was a move afoot to eliminate or get rid of uh, David Cross and Brian K. Pritchard from their positions within the Republican Party. Now, I didn't think that it was appropriate because uh, David was elected at the same time that the, everybody else was elected at the state convention. So I investigated did a little background and determined that I thought that was probably accurate. So I did my editorial. Okay. And then subsequently that seemed to raise the ire of uh, some folks. And um, later that, uh, I believe that evening or the following evening, um, uh, Candace Taylor, for one, came out and uh, made uh, about a half an hour uh, video on Facebook and made that available to Georgians and really any anybody on Facebook. And so um, she seemed to characterize some things about um, the information that you had received. If you're okay, I'm going to take uh, just a minute or so, and I want to play a an excerpt from that video, and then we'll talk about it just a little bit. So bear with me for just a moment here, please. Okay. Because I love you. I love you. If you have receipts on something that proves otherwise, send them to me, and I promise you 100%, I would never cover up anything. I would never lie. Y'all have asked me over and over and over, and I have tried to gently calm you down, gently tell you a piece of it to pacify you to keep everybody together but no 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 david cross called glenn county radio station told flat out lies and one of my constituents went on the air and repeated what was told to him not knowing any better and david cross weaponized it against this innocent man and his radio station could have caused him legal issues. Who's going to be held accountable for that? Josh McCoon is so gracious that when I called and explained today that he was sorry and he didn't know, he said, that's okay. I understand. I forgive him. Okay. So, um, let me do this. Let's cut right to the chase of this. Did, uh, did David Cross, Mr. Cox, call you and ask that you do this editorial? No. Did, um, you know, did the information that you got come from a source that you believe uh, trusted and credible to the extent that, uh, that uh, you were able to discover? Yes. 
So you can see my, first of all, you know, the reason that I thought this, this was an important segment to do is because, you know, I, I like to make sure that people have the truth and it sounds like, and that's largely part of um, what your station does as well. I found it painful to the point of having to act on it when I heard these charges made against David Cross, but especially in light of, you know, the uh, circumstances, I think, uh, you know, the, there, whether there's an effort or not, I'm, I'm not sure we can prove. I too have had um, interactions with folks in a position to know and uh, they have said that there is such an effort or has been such an effort. Um, but that doesn't, uh, you know, that doesn't explain folks making false statements. So, and that's where I would char characterize what I think you just heard. Um, those don't appear according to what your experience is and what, what you had. These charges uh, and your statements saying that David somehow created this are false. Is that, is that a fair statement? That's that's very accurate, very fair, and, and very well said. Uh, let me be clear. The timeline on this was I get a call. I do some background. I consider an editorial. I write the editorial early Tuesday morning. I literally called Josh at 7.34 a.m. Tuesday, the day that the editorial broke, asked him for information, left a voicemail, asked him to call me. He didn't take my call. He didn't return my call. And then about 9.34, three or so, I reached out to Jacqueline to ask her to please reach out to Josh to get him to get back to me because I had an editorial that I was working on and needed comment from him. Did not, uh, she did not take the call and didn't, there was no way for me to leave a voicemail. And then about 1034 AM, I emailed the completed editorial to Josh at his uh, technical college system of Georgia email address. And um, he did not respond. I, uh, with the uh, finished editorial was the notation that if I didn't hear from him by noon, it would run. And so after noon, not hearing from him, I ran it. Interesting. Did, uh, did you have instance to hear from him subsequent to that? Yes. Tuesday night, I got several texts from him. And I did a subsequent, and, and I went back and forth with him several times, but it finally got to the point that it was a little exhausting, and I decided I wasn't going to be my best self to continue to respond, so I just didn't. I understand. I understand. Okay. Um, my, uh, what, what is your, uh, since the meeting is being held there, uh, statewide meeting being held there on San, St. Simon's Island this weekend, is there a plan for you to do some coverage on on that or uh, what is the plan well i do plan to uh i go my wife and i are going to the gala the first district gala candace has organized a very cool event at the king and prince uh friday night uh mm -hmm. january 19th tonight and we'll be going to that and then tomorrow morning uh, uh january the 20th we'll be trying to go to the state uh committee meeting as of course what we are journalists uh, i'm not on the state committee, but I would like to cover it. And uh, if I get admitted, fine. If I don't, that has to be the way it is. I understand. Um, okay. Well, thank you, one, for making time available today. I think this is important. I think it's, you know, if there's ever a time when truth plays in a critical role, I think, in, you know, and I don't want to over, overstate it, but in, in our country and Georgia, especially, if truth um, 
plays a critical role. I think this is an instance where it's needed. So thank you for helping bring that out. Um, could you tell folks that may not be familiar with your station how to find it uh, and, and listen? It sounds like you have quite a quite a number of broadcasts that would be interesting to folks. Well, thank you, Bill. Uh, we do have an app. You can go to the App Store, uh, either Apple or Google Play, and download an app and listen to WCGA, wonderful coastal Georgia, and uh, just search for WCGA Radio. We'd be honored to have your listeners, your readers, your viewers uh, tune in sometime, and we wish you and, and your organization the best. That's that's very kind. Thank you for that. We'll, uh, we'll look forward, if there are things that happen down in St. Simons that you think would be uh, worthy for uh, other folks to hear, please reach out and uh, we'll attempt to uh, to bring you back on. And and uh, really with anything that comes up, I, I have a funny feeling we're going to have one heck of a 2024 cycle and uh, we never can tell what's going to come up next. Thank you for being available today, uh, Mr. Cox, and we'll, uh, we'll wish you well. Our pleasure, Bill. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. So to complete this story, at least for the time being, we thought it was uh, valuable to be able to have folks hear the original editorial uh, that was done by Wesley Cox from WCGA Radio uh, down in coastal Georgia so that uh, everyone can have the full context of what was said and now what has transpired since his broadcast on Tuesday. So with that, we'll go ahead and listen to uh, Wesley Cox. How many times have you met someone and liked them from the very beginning? I have many times. Last year at the Georgia Republican State Convention, I met Josh McCoon. I immediately liked Josh and his wife, Jacqueline. They struck me as folks qualified to lead the Georgia Republican Party forward after the retirement of David Schaefer. Dee and I voted for Josh to be the chairman of Georgia's Republican Party. Dee and I were thankful that Josh won and were glad to see Rebecca Yardley and Dennis Futch, the other candidates for chairman, publicly stand with Josh and pledge to all Republicans to work together to further the aims and goals of we the people. We're navigating perilous times politically, economically, and culturally and otherwise here in Georgia, the nation, and around the world. Leadership is important. I recently was informed by a WCGA listener that Josh is considering getting rid of <coughs> Second Vice Chairman David Cross and Brian K. Pritchard, both honorable men who are serving on the Georgia Republican Executive Committee. Apparently, Josh wants to get rid of David and Brian this Saturday, this weekend, at the King and Prince, at a meeting of the Georgia Republican Party State Executive Committee. This is a bad idea. David was duly elected at the Georgia Republican State Convention in Columbus to serve and is doing tireless service to the party and the people, giving good information and leading on many issues. Brian is doing the same, and both men should be honored and encouraged in their efforts, not removed from their offices and the executive committee. None of us agree with each other all the time. America is best served by honest communication and agreement where possible. Republicans must lead by example with a big tent approach and not take on political rivals with power plays and removal from office. Let's applaud David and Brian and those who know that Georgia's election system is broken. Let's help them fix the election system so that we can have free, fair, independently verifiable and transparent elections. 
One person, one vote results is what we want in elections. Okay, so uh, that uh, uh, brings us to the conclusion of that segment with uh, Wesley Cox. Uh, we give him a lot of credit for being uh, courageous and coming forward so that we could understand the uh, the truth of the matter. And uh, we will continue to do that in every instance we find where we think truth needs to come out. So, Todd, back to you. Well, thank you. Um, I have known Father Troy Beecham for some time. His brother is a classmate of mine at the United States Air Force Academy. Troy has been uh, infinitely helpful to my family, and I, I very much appreciate him for that. But I want to bring him on and talk about some spiritual issues. Uh, I think it's an important time to do that. So if you could bring Father in, Bill. You bet. Thank you for joining us, Troy. Hi. So um, a lot going on in the world, but one of the things we wanted to, I guess, talk about this morning is kind of the spiritual battle and ways that uh, – people may misuse, uh, for lack of a better word, the word of God in, in how they portray their reality. Um, can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, there's nothing new um, with people doing that. Uh, you know, studying ancient history and religions, that's been happening as long as humans have been writing things down. So politicians or people wanting power or people with power invoking the name of, you know, the divinity. Um, it, there's nothing new about that. Um, mm. It is almost always, um, at least in my experience and from what I know, the people who do it the most and the loudest um, are the ones who uh, are least representing mm. <laughs> the goodness of God. <laughs> um, a lot of references to higher authority, especially divine authority and power. It's really, a lot of it is uh, when you have a weak argument, you're going to appeal to higher authority. When you have people who are susceptible um, uh, to religious persuasion, and there's a lot of that in this country, um, mm -hmm. especially if you're from, and that was my background as a young, young person, um, evangelical. Uh, Christianity, when somebody comes on and they have a certain cadence uh, in in their speech and the way that they use their hands and their arms and the uh, the the way and the kinds of words they use, these are all um, uh, these are all ways to sway people, um, and it's it's uh, you know the previous comment from the editorial was about truth and how truth is essential and it's, and and I, I couldn't agree more. Without truth. Um, everything starts to fall apart. Um, and when people are using uh, the name of God um, to, in, to sponsor their, their own ideas or to back up their own plans uh, or to bolster their own power um, or to throw uh, suspicion on somebody else. You know, if I stand up there and say, well, I, I promise you that... <laughs> uh, uh, I'm a God-fearing, you know, Christian, and I would never do that. Well, mm -hmm. <laughs> that makes me question when somebody says that, because that one, that's intellectually dishonest, um, and it's personally dishonest. Um, and sadly, a lot of people uh, are, are fall prey to that. Uh, that's mm -hmm. part of our culture. Um, evangelical Christianity, starting with the, you know, the Great Awakenings that we've had in this country, 
uh, injected into the American uh, psyche a real susceptibility to being swayed um, and manipulated uh, using religious language or religious light language, even if it's secular religion. And by secular religion, I mean leftist ideology mm. that much faith as, you know, saying the Nicene Creed every Sunday. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we'll save your soul for nineteen ninety nine a month. I mean, there's a lot, yeah. Of, yeah. a lot of that going on out there. Uh, sure. Uh, Bill, you got any questions? I, I had one that just occurred to me as you were speaking, Father. Um, yes. Do you, based on the people you see in, in, in your congregation and beyond, do you sense that people are getting more um, attuned to listening for such things and they spot it more quickly than perhaps we did um, years ago or even more recently? Uh, sadly, I, I think it's the opposite. Um, I, I think as the polarization in our country uh, intensifies and becomes more shrill. Um, my experience continues to be uh, that uh, people are kind of building up a hard shell, you know, around their positions, you know, their ideas, their candidates, their parties, their whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, it's an impermeable barrier and speaking truth is, is important. Um, but we've had what a couple of presidents in a row who've, uh, not a previous one, but two before him and this current one talking about truth, you know, what is truth? Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, uh, the, the whole concept of truth um, has been knocked off its rails. Uh, we used to have a common sense of what is true, um, what's factual, um, what's verifiable. And now truth is entirely personal. Truth is, you know, we've been hearing it for the last several years. My personal truth. Well, there's no such thing as your personal truth. There's your personal experience. But your experience does not make something true. And what I've been seeing over the last easily 10 years, and it's just gotten faster and harder and stronger in the last couple of years, um, particularly since the last election cycle, uh, personal truth is now uh, reigns supreme. Um, any kind of objective or collective shared uh, truth claims um, are at best suspect. Um, and just by the fact that they're held by the majority, that immediately gets it shut down by by a, a lot of folks. It can't be true if it's held by that many people, right? And that's kind of the, the logic behind it. The science uh, is settled, right? Yeah. yeah. It, prob it probably won't surprise you then to know that I was uh, I was uh, with a, an elected politician not long ago, within the last few months. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got on the subject of what folks were looking for in the uh, constituency this, this cycle. And I, I said, you know, truth. They want to hear you know, facts and truth and a go forward plan that makes sense. And the answer I got was, well, whose truth? Right. I mean, Pontius Pilate said that to Jesus himself. He said, what is truth? Mm. <laughs> so we've, we've been struggling with this, and this has been a popular tool of statecraft for as long as we've been trying to organize ourselves into anything other than, uh, you know, small farm holds. <laughs> so the this is this, there's nothing new. This is part of the standard um, 
tool belt of anybody who's trying to exert or gain or keep power. Um, and a, a big part of that um, is to destabilize uh, uh, what is truth to where it gets to the point where nobody can define it except by this is how I feel. Let me ask you this. A lot of people are becoming aware that maybe this is nothing new, that maybe this has all happened before throughout human history. Mm -hmm. and, and the Bible even talks about it. Yeah. Um, you, can you comment on that a, a bit? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, in the, in the Bible, uh, both in the, what are commonly called the Old Testament and New Testament scriptures, um, you know, the prophets and, and Jesus, they talk about uh, uh, real politic an awful lot. As a matter of fact, that's mostly what got Jesus murdered <laughs> because he mm -hmm. confronted the power of the state and the power of religion, which had become united. They were enemies against each other, right? The temple hierarchy in Jerusalem, and they made common cause with the political power of Rome to get rid of an opponent, a common opponent. Um, so this kind of, uh, this kind of, well, we see this happening time and time again. When you read the Old Testament scriptures, the prophets were all uh, persecuted and most of them were murdered. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a horror list of what happens to actual truth tellers in most cultures in recorded human history. Um, Isaiah was put inside of a, of a hollow tree and sawed in two. I mean, <laughs> Jesus was crucified. Uh, so th there's nothing new. And part of what that says to me is it's something old, um, something very old um, as a common source because it's, it's consistent throughout human history. Wherever it shows up, it looks just alike. Um, different cultures across different millennia. So whoever is spiritually pulling the strings behind all of that, <laughs> you know, we think that we're, we're you know, St. Paul said really clearly, we think we're struggling against flesh and blood, right, against each other. And he said, no, he says the real deal is that we're struggling against the powers and principalities of, of, this, of the fallen darkness of the world, the, right, the, the fallen angels and their whole order. And their whole purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. And they keep us at each other's throats. So there's nothing new about this. It's source, um, the source of uh, undermining any confidence and stability and the stability of truth, undermining the our capacity to listen with uh, open hearts and minds. Um, our ability to stand for truth when we're, you're told that, uh, well, you can't have that opinion. That means you're, you're whatever phobic, you know, put whatever word you want to in front of it. Um, mm -hmm. All of that has a common source. And we humans are entirely, sadly, very susceptible to that spiritual influence. And it's always there. It's always working behind the scenes. The good news is, is that the power of truth the power of, of God is also there, <laughs> present and working behind the scenes. Um, if only it meant if you were standing in God's truth that we were immune um, from the slings and the arrows and the crucifixions and mm -hmm. all the horrible ways that truth tellers have been treated. 
that would be great, but that's not the way it is, at least not yet. Um, there is a promise in the scriptures, both in the Old and New Testaments, that eventually God's going to call a halt to history as we know it and things will change, but we're not there yet. Yeah. We, we are in the middle um, in, in our era, right? You, you know, what's the, uh, not every generation has to face things um, that other generations have to face. We didn't have to face the Great War or World War II, but this is, this is what's happening. This is the battle that's our generation, the people who are alive right now. We're having to face the, the results of the previous um, two world wars and before that, um, the Enlightenment, which all of that led to the erosion of a sense of there is such a thing as truth. And we're dealing with the consequences of that still. And I, we're, we saw what happened in, you know, with the, the Bolsheviks in Russia. They did the exact same thing. All I've got to do is just go read the histories, the way that the, you know, the, the demagogue, yeah. they, they said the exact same thing. Same with Mao. Yeah. Same with Mao, same with Khmer Rouge, same with in, in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's an old tool belt. It's an old set of tricks. And it's an ancient uh, power of evil that hates us and wants to kill us. <laughs> Thankfully, as I said, the good news is is that we are also supported um, because God is on the side of of truth. Um, and I don't mean my personal truth. Um, I, I I believe that there are objective truth claims to be made, and I will stand for them. Um, yeah. And I what you know that doesn't mean I'm going to be saved from the feedback and the blowback um as a matter of fact i haven't been i've, I've <laughs> i know you haven't been yeah i've 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 endured uh some real hard <laughs> setbacks but mm. because of standing up in in the church of all places well you had to stand up in the church and that was something we really respect you for so thank you for that yeah so whether it's in the church or in civil society, it's, it's the same set of powers mm -hmm. uh, that we're fighting. And it's the same set of powers that people are are giving their allegiance to. Um, and so that's what it really comes down to, is where are we going to give our allegiance? Good point. Bill, you got anything else? No, that's it. Thank thank you so much for coming on and, uh, and giving us these uh, insights, Father. No, really appreciate welcome. it. Take yeah, care. Thank, take care. God bless. God bless. He's always refreshing, or at least steer you in the right direction. So, yep, yep, um, and it's in his words ring do ring true. And, yeah, uh, you know. So uh, before we bring on our next guest and the Moabs, he's gonna drop on us. Um, we've got a quick ad from Marjorie Wildcraft. CDM Food is the website, and uh, the, the time may be approaching. You got to remember this website. So, I guess I have that, and I have to run that. Um, Actually, I don't see it anymore. What happened? All right, we'll delay that until you still there, Chris. Let's bring Chris on, and I'll okay. I'll, I'll re put that ad up. Okay. Oh, go ahead, Bill. Good afternoon, Mr. Gleason. How are you? Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? Well, so again, you've been a busy bee, and <laughs> <laughs> busy bee and with a stinger as well, huh? <laughs> So you're well, blowing yeah, up. What's that? The people in Maryland are going to find out. <laughs> so you, uh, the, 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 
Merrick Garland story you dropped recently was simply amazing. And that was done by one man, Perseverance, dropping information requests. And you got that information that Merrick Garland's wife knew the elections were stolen in 2015 or would be, or the machines were not certified, I guess, technically correct. So what have you got for us today? So uh, after the uh, Merrick Garland bombshell, um, the folk, the, the, the folks in Maryland, by the way, and these are great people um, that I've met, uh, some through you guys and some um, some through uh, the attorney that I had been working with up there and um, in Maryland. Um, they've uh, they've really uh, picked up the ball and have been a huge help to me um, there because, you know, I'm I'm one guy. Uh, I'm just a, as Cord Bird from Florida puts it, uh, I'm I'm just a keyboard warrior firing off public records requests. Um, so <laughs> that he won't answer. Yes, that he won't answer illegally <laughs> in violation of the Florida Constitution, the United States Constitution, and numerous federal and state uh, election law statutes. But that's that's a whole other subject for a whole other day. Um, but so these great people in, in Maryland that I've had the pleasure to meet and befriend and get to know, um, they are leveraging all of their networks to help expose what we've been doing and hold the people uh, that are supposed to be administering elections to ensure that the will of the people is being followed. And so on Friday, I received a call from one of uh, these great folks there, um, this lady named Sherry, and she asked me, she's like, hey, we've got an opportunity to speak and get some legislation um, put uh, or read before the, the House and the Senate in Maryland. I'm like, well, great. That's wonderful. She's like, can you drop everything you're doing to help us with that? And I'm like, uh, okay, I'll, uh, I'll we'll, we'll do this. So I, I I quickly called my my good friends here in Florida, um, who I've been working with for quite some time now, Chris Quackenbush and Ted Reese uh, from Lee County, Florida, and I said, hey, we have an opportunity to help put forth some stuff for Maryland to help them kind of get on the right path, and so we had a great conversation. And, you know, we discussed how um, how important it, how, how important uh, or what were the most important things that we could quickly and decisively get before the Maryland legislature. And so uh, Ted brought up a great point and he brought up the point of Article One, Section four of the United States Constitution and. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, it says the times, places and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. But the Congress may at time by law make or alter such regulations. So what we did is we focused on the, the three succinct points, who can vote, when they can vote and how they can vote. And because ultimately what we see is that the big problem 
everywhere is the complexity, right? All the laws. Um, they, what we believe is that the laws should be short, enforceable, and understandable. And so we put forward uh, a paper. It's called The Simple Solution. And we submitted it um, to these individuals from Maryland. And I ended up getting a call from this one state senator there. And he has, uh, he's in a unique position where his district falls across four uh, distinct counties. And so we, we were talking and I'm, uh, he, I had mentioned um, what, what we came up with and what we had. And he was saying how he was going to craft some new legislation. And so I said to him, I'm like, you know, here's the funny thing about this. The funny thing about it is actually you guys already have the legislation in place. The problem is nobody is following it and nobody's enforcing it. And so he and I went back and forth discussing all of the, the, the numerous reasons why that was going on in Maryland. And so I reminded him that Maryland is a unique state. They have this great piece of legislation where they say uh, they have a mandatory decertification there. And so with mandatory decertification of election equipment, um, if the equipment doesn't meet several criteria, which we can prove and show that they clearly don't, we have an opportunity where we can uh, get uh, or, or compel the uh, state of Maryland's election administrators to stop the use of the machines. So I think we're in a very, very strong and unique position. Um, Ken Paxton from Texas has been a huge help to us because now we have um, a large and growing set of unaltered unredacted audit logs. And so what we discussed in particular um, for Maryland is the fact that what we see with this, it's a, it's a very simple solution because the use of these machines and these blank ballots that we know um, there are being uh, uh, illegally adjudicated in um, election fraud rich counties across America, what this does is it's created a, a constitutional crisis for the state of Maryland, because not only um, based on very complex legal and technical uh, uh, technology uh, violations of federal election law, more simply, they have actually disenfranchised hundreds of thousands of voters in Maryland. And, and that, be, that, that presents a very, very clear um, method that anybody in any state can go after because we know that the machines have modems. And if we can find or see that there are blank ballots, large numbers of them, or large numbers of unreadable ballots like we see in Georgia, then we know that we have vast numbers of voters 
who have had their right to cast a ballot interfered with, either by crooked election officials or by some other nefarious parties that have gained access to the machines remotely, as uh, I, I believe was covered yesterday um, or the other day before a judge in Georgia. So, you know, at the end of the day, and that, and your viewers who have seen me talk before, you know, I'm very, very, I'm very big on the repetition of the fact that if you don't have the consent of the governed, you don't have a legitimate government. And we have overwhelming, irrefutable proof that this is going on everywhere. It went on in Georgia. It went on in Florida. It went on in Wisconsin. It went on in Maryland. It's gone on in Arizona. And we haven't even finished digging into the other states because yeah. they're illegal. They've illegally, according to Ken Paxton, they have illegally withheld these these election records, which, by the way, is a federal felony. And, um, you know, like what we found here in Florida, we have numerous election officials that did hand over audit logs. And then when we look at the audit logs and compare them to the audit logs of Texas, what we see is not the redaction of trade secrets or critical election infrastructure information. What we see is the redaction of the evidence of their misdeeds. Yeah. So I don't think this story is going away anytime soon. So, uh, oh, no. Oh, no. Um, and then we're keeping the pressure on in Maryland and Georgia and other places. Uh, something's going to give. So, oh, yeah. We're, oh, yeah. That's, uh, that we're not giving up. So, so let me ask you gotta, a question. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Um, yeah. So, we, we uncovered this, this big um, money laundering RICO operation. And I, you know, so I'm a little bit behind on what's going on in, in Georgia on every little thing. But I am seeing a lot of stuff where people are bringing up um, potential RICO against Fannie Willis now. Um, but I, I haven't heard anybody in Georgia mention anything about the Act Blue money laundering RICO enterprise that she has also been part of. Well, we've talked about it a lot. We'll do something else and make people aware of that in Georgia. How about that? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. People need to maybe stop playing pickleball and get off the golf course and and, and help take back their elections. Completely agree. Because it's only, obviously, no one else is going to do it. No. I mean, even conservative media is, I mean, I think we're the only ones talking about this blank ballot issue. I haven't yeah. seen it really anywhere else, maybe here or there. But we are the only ones that have, we have the fraud. We know where it is. It's very clear. And we have to remove the machines. Um, and so we're going to keep talking about that very loudly, even if the controlled opposition media doesn't want to. So thank you for coming on, Chris. Have you Absolutely. back soon, I'm sure. Take care. All right. Thank you. So I wasn't sure if that was me beeping or. I think it, I think it was on Chris's end. Okay. Um, so we talked about cdmfood.com many times. It's really time you start listening. So I'm going to run a quick ad from Marjorie. Uh, it's at the Grow Network, but uh, cdmfood.com is where you can get information on this. Our world is changing rapidly. 
Many crucial systems we depend upon are collapsing. And the most important system that is failing is the food supply. Mr. President, this council is more than aware of the multiple challenges and threats the world is facing today. But the threat of famine, people starving slowly to death, must be a red line. Now, these food prices are going to keep going up and up, and they're going to keep feeding excuse after excuse, narrative after narrative. Yeah, where you're going to have to get off that treadmill and start getting more autonomous with your own food growing. You want to make sure that you can eat, because frankly, food is the biggest issue as we are going through these transitions. But amidst the chaos, there is a path to resilience. Marjorie Wildcraft is the female leader of the survival and preparedness movement. Marjorie has taught millions of people how to grow an abundance of food in a grid-down situation even if you have no experience, are older, or out of shape. I've spent decades finding the fastest, easiest, and funnest ways for the average person to be able to grow a lot of food. I've created a step-by-step -step process that's so simple that even kids to elders have been using it in order to grow a lot of their own food. And you can too, even if you have no experience, you're older or you're out of shape. Many people, believe it or not, are still intimidated about the idea of starting their own garden. Yeah, no, it was a joke. We, yeah. we figured that the reason why she named the, uh, uh, yeah, so easy that even people who are out of shape and uh, lazy and eat Doritos can do it, uh, <laughs> that, that she was, that was targeting me yes. specifically. Mm -hmm. And so I had to prove, I had to prove it wrong, so. Yes. Yeah, so this is this is your number two. And you are gardening, my friend. Marjorie's free webinar provides you with the tools and knowledge to thrive in difficult times. You'll learn Marjorie's simple three-part system for quickly producing lots of vegetables, eggs, meat, and much more. The webinar is about empowerment, enjoyment, and becoming self-sufficient. You'll walk away with an action plan that you can implement immediately, regardless of where you live or what time of year it is. I used to be a hopeless gardener, but thanks to Marjorie, I'm growing food, and I'm really happy my family has more food security. Marjorie's webinar gave me the confidence to raise and process my own meat. Food production, and Marjorie, I want to thank you for the, the free webinar that you put out there at that website. I've already had uh, you know massive response from people that love your information and how you, you express the joy of learning how to grow food also, and in a small amount of space, when it really counts. So thank you for all that you do, Marjorie. Don't wait or it will be too late. Take control of your destiny and learn to grow food with Marjorie Wildcraft. Growing your own food is like printing your own money. Get started today. So cdmfood.com is the website, and we're going to continue on this uh, subject because we think it's very important as we head into the unknown here in 2024. And uh, you got anything on that, Bill? I, uh, I think as we've gone forward, just in the last few weeks, many people are talking about what do I do to get more resilient in a number of different areas. And, they, and of course, food and, uh, and water and other things are, are critical. They're very near-term needs. And uh, so I, from, uh, from our work with Marjorie uh, in the past, I think she's got some wonderful ideas. And it, as, as it, uh, that video demonstrates, almost anybody can easily get involved, no matter where they yeah. are cdmfood.com. Let's bring in our next guest, Bill. Okay. Mallory hey, Staples, good afternoon. Thank you for joining. Hey guys, how are you? So how is, uh, you know, how is the kickoff for the legislative session? I hear there's, there's uh, some fun to be had and some interesting things being found, and I bet you know about most of them. Yes. 
Spend, spend, spend. If I had to think of a phrase uh, that kind of sums up what's going on under the dome, that is it. Last week um, was appropriations week. So we've spent a vast majority of our time and resources going through the amended fiscal year budget for 24, as well as the um, fiscal year budget for 25. And there is so much there. We've gotten positioned where we've kind of um, got the facts, you know, follow the numbers. We say, and now we're uh, analyzing that to see where the, you know, getting our heads around where most of the growth is going to be and where they're looking to spend it. So I'm going to kind of give y'all high level today and um, I'm going to use notes, which I normally do not do, but um, it's just, it's deep, you know, it's, it's really, really deep what they're doing. But, and I did want to explain to your listeners the difference between the amended fiscal year budget and the fiscal year budget. So like the governor just put forward his uh, fiscal year budget for 25, that is based on projections of the revenue that will be brought in, AKA money that will be taken from the taxpayers. And um, that's where those numbers come from. The amended fiscal year budget for 24 is the correction based on the taxes that were actually brought in. And for the third year running, we have a surplus, which means they have uh, in the supplemental budget or the amended budget, which means revenue projections far exceeded the governor's um, 24 fiscal year budget. So then, um, and that could, you know, you we've had a surplus here in Georgia for three years. And there is, a, you know, theoretically you could have a deficit, which at which point they would have to go cut programs and things like that. We have a constitutional provision in Georgia that uh, there has to be a balanced budget, <clears throat> which, you know, is a little bit tricky because the state has debt, but that's a conversation for another day. But, but anyway, so what we are going to be looking at um, both is the supplemental budget from last year, which creates that slush fund. Essentially, as there was 6.6 .6 billion last year mm -hmm. in the supplemental budget. This year, it is looking to be 16 billion plus. And then we also will have the 25 fiscal year budget, which means next year at the same time we will be having a conversation about the 25 supplemental budget. So that's just kind of I wanted everybody to understand why there's more than one budget. Because so budgets are created based on projections. And here in the state of Georgia, they actually take in more taxes and they project to take in every year. And so at that point, the governor and the appropriations chairman and committee, they decide for the most part how they're going to spend that money, um, not return it, but spend it. You know, yeah. I think everybody got $250 a piece last year and some pocket change and the rest of it was spent. So anyway... One of the one, things. One question before you go on to the next thing. So, sixteen billion. You think you know, based on what the numbers show today, is surplus. Now, how does how big is the total budget? Thirty-two billion. So half, approximately, is surplus. That's like that's like getting your paycheck and you find out, gosh, I've got fifty percent of it that isn't even needed this week or this month. That's right. That's right. It is an incredible amount of money. And you think about that coming back to you or not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that gets people's attention. But yes. Yeah, so and you, you know, you have to just if you if you want to step back and be a critical thinker, 
you have to wonder, like, how does this keep happening? Can they not get the projections close to being correct? And how how convenient that it creates this massive slush fund um, that they get to spend out of, right? So it's just like hmm, a little head scratcher there because you're to your point, Bill, you're talking about a massive discrepancy in the projections. You're talking about half the working budget again was collected over and beyond you know what was needed to to run the government. It's and not um, a fat I don't know finger. if everybody saw that's not a fat finger error. That's that's real money. <laughs> that's right. That's Serious right. Money. And Senator <laughs> Tillery, who's the Senate chairman of the Appropriations Committee came on last week and said that, you know, 50, I think, I mean, somebody can fact check me on this, um, but roughly 52, 54% of the entire state budget is spent on education and 27 something percent is on healthcare. And then the rest, he says, like with a smile on his face, that the rest is then for transportation and public safety and I don't know, all those proper roles of government that are actually yeah. what they're supposed to be doing with the money. But that is a massive, I mean, it's, I mean, added up, it's like 80 or 90% of the budget for the state is spent on things that aren't the actual constitutional proper role of government. It's, it's, it's jaw dropping. I mean, you, a video. And then you think of Brian Kemp over in Davos and, you know, maybe that money's being spent to employ the Im, implement the great reset. You know, oh, I mean, absolutely. And let me please oh. point out that Brian Kemp, that little video, and I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on this on my social media and newsletter coming shortly, but the fact that he sat there and said that in the state of Georgia they <clears throat> do not pick winners and losers is an factual bring the receipts lie. That is what the government does. This new just like the old one, new budget has tons and tons of corporate subsidies, tons, tons. And that yeah. is the government picking winners and losers. We have the Speaker of the House, John Burns, talking about massive Medicaid expansion. We already spend millions, millions of expenditures on Medicaid. And now they want to grow that even more. I mean, I mean, they just lie. I mean, they absolutely lie. And just so and, our audience um, understands, that's the government taking your money, half more than they need, and then giving it to businesses that may compete against yours to make you uncompetitive. That's right. It is absolutely picking yeah. picking winners and losers. And, uh, and one of the other things, again, that is in the budget is a nice um, bonus or raise for government employees. So that, of course, is the General Assembly who's down there voting on uh, or, or ruling on all the the appropriations so they're going to mm -hmm. get a they're going to get a raise i mean you may not get your money back mr taxpayer but by darn those general assembly members and government employees they're going to get another raise so a little sugar in everybody's coffee yeah that's right <laughs> that's right but i mean you know this from a governor who literally in 2018 he ran like his platform was eliminating illegal immigration in the state of Georgia, right? Mm -hmm. Went on about, we're going to have tracks in the <clears throat> ports. We're going to create a big database, you know, blah, blah, blah. And literally got into office and bowed to the Chamber of Commerce, like immediately 
immediately and, and doesn't even acknowledge, you know, the invasion that is happening in the state of Georgia. You know, people, they like to talk a lot about, you know, gangs like in the budget. There's tons of money appropriated to address sex trafficking, tons, gang violence, tons of money. You're talking millions and millions of dollars without any context or any discussion of the root cause, which is the invasion at our southern border and how that is impacting the state of Georgia. And so we have this governor that ran on that and doesn't even acknowledge it at this point, but we're going to put millions and millions of dollars of all of our tax money into the the fruit of the of the problem, but not address the root cause. I mean, it should be so hyper offensive to every taxpayer what's going on in the budget. And the fact that that Brian Kemp is running around the world with the 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 global elites that are set on literally and unapologetically dismantling our way of life here in the United States and everything that we stand for, our, our national identity, our DNA, and he's over there hobnobbing. And then this is what all the minions are doing under the dome is is setting up the financial structure to 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 carry this thing out. I mean, it, it is it is it is a violation of everybody's freedoms, really. The budget is, and and how every single senator and house rep doesn't say, "Okay, we got to do better than this." You've got to be kidding me. We've got to do better than this, especially people that call themselves Republicans. I mean, I don't get it. It, it it's it, it it's it's something to see. It's something to see. But so, yeah, just high level, um, lots of lots of Medicaid money, lots of doing the opposite of what he said, picking winners and losers, tons of subsidies, pay increases. And we're going to spend millions of dollars on gang violence and sex trafficking without addressing the root cause of um, the problem here in Georgia, which is an invasion, which already we are spending so much money on taking care of illegals, whether it's in the education system, healthcare, it doesn't matter. Oh, the other thing is we've got continued EV. You know, he was touting that as well. I mean, I, I, I have read so many articles, and I think we've even mentioned this on your show before, about the abysmal failure that is the electric motor vehicle industry in the United States and Brian Kemp goes over to Davos and says, I want us to be the leader in the country for electric motor vehicles. Why no one raised their hand and said, why? Why, <laughs> why do you want to do that? Why do you want to prop up with taxpayer dollars a failing <clears throat> industry that liberal news outlets are even acknowledging is just a lost cause? Why Brian Kemp, Republican governor, would you want to do that? Why? It's tantamount, it's tantamount to announcing that, you know, hey, we won't be the leader in buggy whips, you know. <laughs> it's just intolerable. It is intolerable. So we're going to do, we're supplementing electric motor vehicles. We're handling workforce training, which, you know, I was just talking to our legislative director, Blake Bassham, about this. A lot of these plants that we are as taxpayers funding transportation of and training of their workers which Senator Colton Moore has pointed out also are on town. They're in towns and areas that are bordering our state line. And, and these Georgia taxpayer funded dollars are actually going to train workers in Tennessee and South Carolina and Alabama, people that don't even live here. Hmm. 
How is that okay? How can a single Republican get behind that? Well, I was on another another discussion earlier today, and and uh, they were calling out, you know, how many how many people with an R behind their name actually live the ideals, the um, the the stated goals of Republicans, and they their their take was certainly not as many as call themselves Republicans yeah. in Georgia. No, absolutely. There's a massive disconnect, um, massive disconnect between campaign speaking points and voting records. Because I mean, you know, when you look at Medicaid, which is essentially Obamacare, that is, I mean, you've got Speaker John Burns, who's a Republican, propping that up and saying how excited he is that they're looking into this. And Stacey Abrams ran on that. She she ran on that. Mm-hmm. As I recall, too, it's noted as one of the areas that some of that funding, perhaps more than some, uh, is necessary or they believe it's necessary in order to uh, support these illegal migrants coming into the state because they're the ones, you know, they don't have insurance and and there's got to be it's got to come from somewhere. So the institutions say, oh, well, we'll pull it from we'd, we'd like it pulled from there. So at least we're getting paid. And so we have one one more thing we're paying for, just like the, uh, as you said, schools and other things that are relatively hidden. We don't, uh, very few people have been able to dig out their local county's costs for the Mm -hmm. folks that are being supported in their schools yet. I I suspect we will, but, you know, there's so many fights going on right now. It's just one more, one more skirmish. There there are, there, there's a lot coming. And and again, we're going to, provide a um, more of a line item, you know, as, as we get through here, it's a, it's a Herculean task to, to get through this, but um, th- those are like the big high level categories of atrociousness. That's, that's, and, and, and again, to Senator Tillery's 54% for education. And, you know, I mean, and, and I just saw a report and I can't remember if it was national national or statewide that I think it was in state. But where so many public schools are having to close or, or purportedly are going to close because there's been such a massive exodus out of the public school systems, which are failing. Mm. And we're spending over half of our state's revenue on education. And there's, you know, there's not talk about when you start talking about auditing, finding out what's failing. I mean, just as, you know, business 101, okay, you would think there would be a massive magnifying glass on top of the industry that more than half of our taxpayer dollars go to funding um, to do make it do better. I mean, obviously school choice. I mean, there, there's so many um, easy, easy, relatively easy fixes to repair and um, I don't know, begin to repair, I guess would be the, the proper phrase, the education system. And um, Nobody, nobody even knows you, you, to your point, Bill, you can't even get like hard numbers for like what's being spent on what they're rebranding DEI now and the university system. They're trying to bring that back. And, you know, it's just a, it's like a, it's like watching something, you know, swirl the, the bottom of the drain, you know, and it's all being done with our tax dollars yep. without our permission, really. I mean, these people aren't representing us and anybody who sits down there and tells you that it's a good idea is either you know willfully ignorant or 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 bought out but to think that we can't do better is i mean that's just the starting point 
you know. Yep. I looked on the Georgia General Assembly site. I believe there's 1,200 bills that have been brought forward in a combination of the the House and the Senate. Have you been able to begin stacking those in terms of these are these are some of the ones we have to go and put, you know, put some euthanasia against these bills <laughs> yeah. quickly. Yeah, yeah, we have, we have. I mean, our first, our first priority is our bills, the ones that that our members are carrying um, that we want to get through. The Stop Political Persecution Act. Um, we want to fight HB five twenty. We want to get school choice across the finish line. Um, you know, we want to be sure that that Medicaid and um, CON don't get traded out, you know, in the halls of, of power for, for school choice. We're kind of watching that. We're dropping the income tax repeal uh, bill in both chambers. Um, I think I mentioned it last week. So repeal, Order, meaning do away with it? Yes. In six years at 1% mm -hmm. reduction every year, that would get rid of the income tax here in Georgia. And the governor's proposition was a 0.1% decrease every year, which would take 54 years, but the bill actually stops at four years. And it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones, who who ran, he campaigned on, I mean, we've got, you know, we can all go pull the videos of him wanting to um, campaigning, saying that he will get into the Lieutenant Governor's office and repeal the income tax. So we're hoping that Burt Jones is going to be a champion for the people um in the senate regarding income tax because as we can see they have way more money uh than of our money than they need um to do the proper roles of government mm -hmm. so we want to you want to see the income tax go and again we want to sit on the university system funding that was something else that first half of the biennium um lieutenant governor was um powerful in in implementing and and sunny Purdue said they were going to do better and now we're seeing this rebranding dance on the DEI, uh, we can't have that. So if the if the university system isn't going to comply, they shouldn't get their money. Do we know what the new name is going to be? Um, I've read a couple different things. I can't think of what they are off the top of my head. Uh, next week, I can bring that. Um, okay. but yeah, it's just, you know, word salad. Just So the salad. Kemp ads with the shotgun and everything to stop immigration weren't weren't too real, I guess. No, there's no database. There's no, you know, tracking at the ports. I mean, the Chamber of Commerce, you know, to me runs the governor's office and, and it happened in very short order. Um, and, and everybody, yeah. here's the deal. Grassroots are sick of it. They're yeah. absolutely sick of it. The, the lying, the saying whatever needs to be done to get into office and then selling everybody out is, um, we're done. Yeah. We're done. Thanks, Mallory. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. Anything else, Bill? Uh, let's see. When are are there any actions? Because I think the the people were so effective last time. Are there any actions we should be looking at in the next, literally before your next update? Yes, I'm going to drop a new newsletter in the morning. Um, if everybody be looking out for that on my Substack, and please forward on to your networks. We're asking people right now regarding the investigation of um, and all the you know dirty details of the uh, Fonnie Willis case. Um, we're asking everybody to call Chris Carr and Brian Kemp's office um, to say you know do something, uh, which would be great. They need to feel the pressure on that. Um, I'm quite honestly waiting for an apology from um, 
Senators Walker, Robertson, Anna Vitarte, Gooch, and Kennedy to Senator Colton Moore. They kicked him out of the caucus uh, for wanting this investigation. That was in August, by the way. And as we know, Charlie Spurred, representative from the House, chairman of the uh, Georgia Freedom Caucus, is the only one who joined him. Um, we need to um, ask those folks for an apology um, to Senator in, Colton Moore. In reinstatement, yes. And reinstatement. Oh, yeah, that's right. And you, um, you could still call a special session and kick her butt out, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, they could have done it in August, and those mm -hmm. 19 indictees could have lived a different life. They yeah. could have lived a different life the last five months. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Kemp and Carr, we're going to sit on them, and then Senate leadership. Um, we're waiting on that apology. And then, um, yeah, we'll have more uh, support. The, Stop political persecution. Um, Charlize is going to drop later this week. Their, her impeachment of Fani um, legislation. We've got the um, income tax reduction bills that people, senators, and reps need to run to sign on to. Absolutely run to sign on to. So we'll put that out as well. But yeah, we're going to start getting everybody rank and file behind the good bills. And then we're going to go after, obviously, mental health and Medicaid expansion are the big nasty ones this session. Yep. yep. All right. Thank you for all the efforts. Absolutely. Take Thank you all for having me on and amplifying my voice. I really appreciate it. You, you bet. bet. Take care. Bye. So making, making progress, uncovering the dirt. I mean, 16 billion, yeah, 16 amazing. billion. And if 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 we if we do nothing. Guess what? They're going to find a home for those 16 billion. Yeah, lots of DEI instructors and, you know, who knows what else. <laughs> or whatever the new name yeah. is going to be. Yeah, it's uh, obviously they're not concerned about the people's money. And obviously, in my opinion, they're using it to implement some other political agenda that doesn't work for the citizens of Georgia. I think that's very clear. May work for Davos, but not here. So speaking of that, uh, I sat down with Glade Miller Smith, our Nebraska cattleman. Had a nice fireside chat, or I should say uh, cow pen chat. I think you'll enjoy this quick video. I'm back with our good friend, cattleman Glade Miller-Smith out in Nebraska. And uh, welcome, Glade. Where are you? I am out in, the, uh, out in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska, where it's a big part of the country where it's negative whatever degrees. And it's, uh, it's that many negative degrees here right now. Um, and, and we're just out here and I uh, pulled up next to a pen here to, to, uh, feed my, my couple little buddies here. And I thought I would share with you guys and, and talk a little bit about um, some of the hot topics traditionally, uh, for some reason, food production really garners a lot of attention and, and I can appreciate you put the stuff into your body. Why not be concerned? Right. And so as I look over the, the history of uh, what has been controversial in beef production, when I was younger, a young man, um, all the rage was lean beef. Mm -hmm. Got to have lean beef, fat. Oh, that nasty fat, nasty fat. And, and, and so cattle producers, you know what they did? Well, let's try to feed our cattle not quite as good. So they're not quite as fat because people don't want to look at the fat. You know, I, I mean, basically, if, if that's what you want, are you sure? If that's what you want, all right, that's what we'll get for you. We, we won't make them quite so healthy, you know, like make sure they're not as fat. Well, that that era has kind of come and gone. And now with new more research and, and, and so on and so forth, there's uh, turns out 
there's a good side to fat. You know, natural fats, natural oils, especially compared to some of the the uh, hydrogenated soybean oil components. Like, oh, turns out beef fat is way better for you. It's digestible and and uh, exactly. has a lot of nutrients, and and turns out it's flavorful. That was all uh, a psyop, in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> go, go figure. So, and then and you flash forward from that to the next kind of era of controversy, like wh which is better is grass fed versus grain fed. And, and I don't pick a, a, I've done a little of both um, raising cattle. I don't pick a strong side. And, and honestly, I don't pick a strong side because I think the evidence in, on, on the actual meat side is, is pretty negligible. It, it, there, there's not a huge difference in, in the quality of, of the, the meat. And uh, where it matters more to me is, is in my heart is, I mean, I care about the meat, don't get me wrong, but I also care about the animals. I so know I have, yeah. I have a little show and tell and uh because up here I, I was just I, I mentioned I was feeding my pets one of my pet pets is Lona Lona was a birthday present for my wife last year Lona is a a uh a Jersey milk cow and I'm gonna go out here where it's uh apologize for the wind I cannot control the wind but uh we're gonna go over here go through the gate Lona, last year, she raised seven calves, six children, and one mom and dad. <laughs> and you get out to days such as this, and uh, it's cold. That grain has energy. And uh, she needs all the energy she can get. You say hi, Lona? Hey, baby. This is one of her calves, one of the seven calves she raised. So... Is, is that the same cow yeah, you were milking in the commercial, Glade? Yeah. Yep. That's the same cow we were milking in the commercial. So we, we, um, we know we know her backside pretty well now because we played the commercial about <laughs> yeah. 400 we, times. Here, let me put you. There's, <laughs> there's your backside. So, and I, I leave a couple. I, you don't want your you don't want your milk cow to be alone, so I leave her with a couple buddies. But uh, these, uh, yep, this is one of seven. I mean, look at that big old strapping cap, and all seven of them got about that big. So, um, and my children are growing very well besides. I mean, you and you can't tell it because of this coat, but I put on a lot of weight. <laughs> so she's doing a good job. Uh, oh, she's doing a good job. She She's, what a, what a healthy pr product. And, um, that's, that's something that actually my wife grew up. I'm getting back in the truck because it's cold. Uh, that's why they need the grain, you know, because it's it's cold out there. They just that's how animals and nature keep themselves warm is they have to eat to keep themselves warm. So mm -hmm. be that as it may, I uh, I try to I don't intend to poke the bear too much. I, I might have made a few people mad that they read something somewhere that if you don't eat grass fed beef, you'll die of cancer. I, I don't know. We'll all die eventually someday. Grain fed beef tastes delicious. We'll put it that way. And Lona is very happy to have grain. That's you, what I got. You had about. a, I mean, you have a process. They're, they're, I think you told me they're pasture raised, but then you yes. fi finish them with a, uh, a balanced diet. I think you said ba balanced diet. I, you know, all things in moderation. I feel like I read that in a book somewhere. Do things all in moderation. Mm -hmm. Some people call that the Bible, but I <laughs> apply that to all areas of my life. And, uh, and yeah, so yeah, our, and most honestly, folks, most all cattle in the country are raised on pasture somewhere. That's where the calves grow up. But then when they get weaned, they pull them off of mama. You know, they they have to be fed something because they're not getting feed from mama anymore. 
-hmm. Well, that time of year, you know, is usually fall. Typically, the grass is starting to turn brown. And, and that's, that's when those calves' nutritional needs is, is pretty high. Yeah. How are you going to provide that nutrition? Well, you're either going to live down south somewhere where it's really warm, where you can be constantly planting forage crops that is in just the right state of, of vegetative state, that it's, it's the, the peak of its capability to provide what those calves need. Or if you live here, we're not growing anything here this time of year. So we need to harvest something back when it was good to be able to feed it now to be able to give the nutrition to those calves. Got it. Um, and there's there's one of two options. Okay, but but be that it may, I'm getting a little sidetracked. I, what uh, my uh, my ultimate goal is not looking at what the conflict has been. Mm -hmm. My goal was to suggest I think I'm seeing a peak of where the conflict is going, and where the conflict is going. I, I think it's all been a a disguise, a, 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 a what, what do I want to say? A, a psyop. Yeah, to, to <laughs> get people looking to the side, to looking over the distraction. You know, like is it lean? Is it meat? Is it is it fat? Is is it grass fed? Is it grain fed? Because there's so much bickering about little things. Honestly, little things like that. That the goal is to eradicate animal meat production period mm -hmm. exactly that that that's what i i i i see happening i've seen it several ways that the long term that there's a there's a PETA influence uh that has gone back for for many moons and and i do see people occasionally getting pretty riled up you know how can you murder animals this that and the other well i believe god said take eat it is good you know it, it's it's a provision for us and so and, and one we do not take for granted but we we do appreciate but uh but but that segment has always been there but there's and there's also like a new and growing segment that wants to replace animals with bugs yeah and um and you know crickets and i've, I've seen some animal production you know material talking about how many calories and feed that you can convert into calories for humans raising crickets for instance yeah i think if you want to eat crickets eat crickets it's america um but but uh, i think the real further threat no one is calling crickets meat or beef per se the not yet is, not yet anyway not not yet and, <laughs> and so i got my eye on the cricket people mm -hmm. <laughs> but but these I, I see a, con a conglomeration of the cellular chemical base. I'm going to grow meat that starts in a Petri tray because this doesn't take any animals. We're going to put this squirt of stuff and it's going to grow into a glob. And that glob is going to grow into a meat protein thing. A meat sounds delicious. Thing. Oh boy, it's it's kind of like a hard <laughs> gelatin, you know, and and it's and it's got actual amino acids and proteins in there, you know, and so, oh, but but so, that's one option. But but the issue is, not just that they're promoting it and they want to tell people, hey, you should eat this, you should eat this food thing, but they're calling it meat. They're calling it, it's not just enough to call it food. It's a battle of words and ideas because their goal is not to give you another option of something to eat, but to replace a current option. And we'll go to, I'm sure a lot of your list, your, your listeners and viewers have seen um, the Netherlands have started printing beef 
which is an interesting new phenomenon. It, 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 it's a three, you take 3D laser printers and you can make anything, right? Well, now we're going to 3D make our meat. So wow. then we won't need any animals. Yeah. And I, now there's, there's a part of this that I understand. The part that I think I understand is that they want to eradicate animal production. The part that I don't fully understand is why. When I go out and I feed my little cattle and, and everything else, we feed calves and we ship, you know, thousand pounds of beef to customers across the, you know, country every week or whatever it is that we're doing. You know, it's a good, wholesome, honest agriculture production. I mean, as old as time raising animals for yeah. me. I, as, as, as old as there's been people around, we've been, you know, or pretty close to it. We've been figuring out how to eat animals. Well, you just yeah. put your, your, you asked why, you just put your finger on it when all those people were around. They don't want all those people around. So if they can destroy the food, the food production, then boom. Yeah, because once they have to start eating that, that printer meat, like you might die of starvation. Like, no, I'm not hungry. <laughs> well, uh, hello. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, it, that's a whole nother discussion we can have offline. Yes, <laughs> something, something. It's either nefarious or it's just idiotic. I, I, one of those two things. It's either really bad or it's just dumb ideas. What, one, of, one of those two. I, I, as far as I, if I was going to bet a dollar on a donut. Um, but I would like to, you know, my, my thought of today is just promoting and representing other family farmers that are, and a bunch of them are out there feeding cattle in nasty cold weather across the country so that we can provide a safe, secure source of food for people across our country. Um, you know, hey, we're, we want to provide for you guys and we want to provide a safe and good product. You know, so that's, and, and if you want to get it from me, fantastic. Family Farm Beef Box. That's, that's our little deal. And, and we, we promote that we're the, I've started pr promoting that we're the non-wokes way to get uh, beef into your door. So, it, but but we're not the only ones, you know. That's for sure. Um, you know. It, but you have a you have a passion and you have a, a deep uh, love for what you're doing. It comes across. So I, that is important to the quality and taste of the beef, in my opinion. I see so many people attacking the thing that I really enjoy, which is the cattle industry, the cattle business, the cattle production ranch, you know, the relationships that I build with beef customers, all of these things. I, I do. I enjoy it. I enjoy it for my family. I enjoy it for hopefully the next generation to follow after me. You know, this is something that it's not just, just me. It was something that was passed down to me and I hope to pass down to the next generation. Um, and I see people attacking it. And I shake my head because I'm sitting here doing it going, what are you talking about? That doesn't make sense at all. But as a rule, I'll tell you what, people who are in farming and ranching are typically um, relatively smart. You know, you got to be a pretty good businessman. There's a lot of dollars involved and pretty hardworking. Mm -hmm. You don't pick a job where you got to go <laughs> do chores in negative whatever degrees because it's cozy. Yeah. Um, but they're not always the best at communicating. Yeah, yeah. You true. know, they're they're not always the best to communicate. That's your gift. And, and and so, well, lo and behold, <laughs> I uh 
this in, in some ways I've, I've too, too much. God says too much is given much is required. I like to visit with people, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's, that's a lot of, I family farm beef box is built. You know, some people would call it marketing. I call it building relationships. Sure. sure. You know, that's, that's what I, I do. And so I, I enjoy explaining things, not so much as defending what we do. I don't think we need to defend it because if I explain it, most people go, oh, well, that makes sense. Thanks for explaining that to me. You know, so that that's that's our goal. So, yeah, I'm a I'll, I'll plug it in there one more time. Family Farm Beef Box and check us out. Dot We're com. on uh, dot com. We're website. Find us on Gab. Um, we're also on Facebook for all of you people who haven't converted over to something that's not Facebook yet. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's just part of life, I guess, but. Glade, thank you very much. Uh, yep. this is, uh, we'll get the, this out soon. And, uh, people are asking me when you're going to have another chat with Glade. So uh, now I got <laughs> something to show them. Very good. Well, <laughs> Take tell care, them about Lona. I you. will. So I, I have to say, I gave him a pretty hard time that he, must have a hell of a woman if he gave her a cow for her birthday. <laughs> I think you're on mute, Bill. <laughs> and there we go. And it's a nice cow, too. I mean, we've been wondering what the front of the cow looked like for all these months. So, you know, and it's a pretty cow. She said hi. He said, "Give say hi to the folks. Come, lifts up its head. It's like, yeah. You know, well, very, we have seen her backside about 400 times. So, very you know. nice. Very nice. What a, what a gentleman. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So familyfarmbeatbox.com if you want to fill up your freezer and have a great family event. So that's all I got. Bill, you got anything else? Just one last reminder before we go. Call these guys. Email them. Help if you can. We got 48 hours. Let's make some magic happen. All right, my friend. Take all right. Out. Okay. Let me get See you that. Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Wednesday at 7 p.m. it is.